Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always by the B-Cells to my T-Cells. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, feeling like we're combining to perform vital tasks. Yeah, and our very own antibodies. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you feeling? Uh, pretty good. I, uh, you know, y'all as cold as ice, man. I was going to... I gave you like a good thing again. I'm, I'm like, no, now that we're I social don't. distancing, I got, I'm being nice. What's I wrong? I know you're being, it's, you're going to, you're setting me up for something big in the coming <laughs> weeks. I know it. It's like a, the hammer's going to drop in three weeks. Yeah. Y'all just, you'll call me, you'll call me coronavirus out of nowhere. No, no, no. I could never do that. Was that what you were expecting right there for me to call you the coronavirus? No, I, it, it crossed my mind though. I was like. You're H1N1 at worst, man. <laughs> I don't know. Eric's pretty viral. He spreads. So, you know, he can, he can get out there. Um, anyway, the Seahawks have made a couple moves in the last, in the last few days and uh, both of them are pretty big. So we're going to go over those. Then we'll hit up uh, some, some big idea for agency stuff. So let's start with the Quentin Dunbar trade. This John Schneider does it again. He goes out, he says, Hey, can I give you this low round pick for this guy? And for some reason, Washington said, yes, Quentin Dunbar last year was pro football focuses, number two rated coverage cornerback. Now, the, I I think a lot of people looked at that right away, uh, Evan Hill, and the, and they just thought like, oh, this guy is is so good, and I I think he's he's this is a steal of a trade, and there are reasons that he was available for a fifth round draft pick. So I'm gonna start with that because I think that that it's better to to start with the vegetables and then go to the dessert. Uh, so Quentin Dunbar, the reason that he's available for a a fifth round draft pick, the first reason he has never played more than six hundred ish snaps in a season he played okay. 18 games the last two seasons combined yeah he's he's always either he either been hurt or has not been able to get on the field because he was learning the position of nfl cornerback yeah because he was will Muschamp's wide receiver yeah he was a wide receiver in college the second thing his stats from last year are buoyed by two very good games against miami and the giants and i don't know if you know this but those teams are not very good so that's another reason to be like, okay, it might not be quite as good as it looks on first glance. But he gets to play Jimmy G twice next season. Boom, got right. him. <laughs> got him. Roasted him. That being said, uh, you want a guy who has a lot of potential, a guy who fits the Seahawks draft profile, long arms, tall, fast. This is the guy. Okay. And it, it, it it's a work in progress. I think that he still has room to grow. The 87.6 defensive rating and 89.5 coverage rating last year is a little bit of a mirage, although he was targeted 52 times, gave up just 29 receptions and had four interceptions and four pass breakups. And if you go to Sam Gold's uh, Twitter, Samuel Gold, who's a who does gifts of Seahawks players and also is a huge Washington Redskins fan. So he's like the perfect storm of person who should be analyzing this deal he showed a a nice gift series that kind of gives you an idea of why this guy is really coming along and growing as a player and at 27 years old he might be kind of blossoming into what he will be for the rest of his career and i think that's what makes the deal so exciting is that we got a player on the rise we might be able to sneak a long-term contract in here for like six seven million eight million dollars a year you know because he hasn't fully bloomed yet and be able to kind of lock up a guy that really has the potential to be a, a, a one number one wide corner in the NFL. Now it's a little bit of projection still, which is why I say like, be careful. This, this could end up being, you know, like, Hey, it's a slight upgrade. It's an upgrade over Trey flowers, but 
you know, he never, he didn't, he, it was kind of a mirage last year. He turns out to be a just slightly above average cornerback. He's going to make way too much money in free agency and we let him walk at the end of the year. That's also a path that the Seahawks can walk. But the fact that they have that option now and it only cost them a fifth round draft pick is, I think, pretty awesome. So there, that's my full analysis of the Dunbar trade. What do you guys think? Uh, Eric, you want to take this first? Yeah. I know um, so uh, we talked a little last week about how excited I was. Uh, a month ago for Darius Slay and how it didn't come to fruition. Dunbar is great. I'm really excited about the the interception and pass breakup numbers that we have. Uh, I'm sorry that he has, but I guess the reliability of health makes me question, uh, makes me apprehensive a little bit from there. Honestly, if he's just our number two and plays 14 games a year, I think this is an awesome steal. It's I'm okay with Shaq still being our number one. If we have two guys that are constantly competing for one and they switch off, it just makes our secondary so much better. Remember, teams, defenders come to come to their teams based on how their uh, you know their surrounding teammates look. Um, just because we won't, we need some edge rushing help doesn't mean that they won't see that secondary and want to come by because everyone wants to have you know they have someone watching their back literally. Um, I love the deal. The fifth round's really great. We're going to have to pay him. But again, if we're not paying him double digits per year, and he, let's just say he is healthy for the next four seasons, awesome pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a guy here who's 6'2, has 32 and 5 eighths inch arm span, according to his pro day measurables, 4440. He hits everything that we look for in our typical cornerback prospect. And this time we didn't have to go through the process of converting the guy from the wide receiver to a corner. This is an opportunity to skip the part where we do the waiting on the conversion and pick up the guy after they're already converted to get that on a fifth round pick. Not to mention Washington secondary. I mean, nobody was really avoiding his opposite corner last year. Yeah, Uh, it was uh, it was just it was go, Josh go after Norman, Josh and Norman. no one cared. And so he wasn't really getting a whole lot of help out there, and he put together his best season. So well, you can't bank on him getting an elite coverage score every single season. What that does tell me is he probably has a pretty similar situation to what Shaquille Griffin does. And if I were to tell you we could spend a fifth round pick to have two Shaquille Griffins as our starting cornerbacks, I think everyone out there would be excited. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that one of these two guys, Dunbar or Griffin, is probably going to be the truth next year, is going to be a legitimate A-plus number one corner. The Seahawks can flam- slap the franchise tag on whoever it is and then let the other guy kind of walk or try to get them back on a budget deal. So it's if they both turn out, I mean, obviously it's, the, it's amazing that we'll have the best secondary in the league. But if only one of them works out, you know, if, if it's the, the growth pattern doesn't continue for these guys, then then, yeah, it's 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 still a it's still a good deal. Um, some quotes from uh, from uh, J.P. Finlay, NBC Sports Washington, he said uh, fifth round picks a steal for someone like Quentin Dunbar. But he also said he's been the rest, best Redskins corner for the last two years, even with Josh Norman on the roster, which makes me think that this guy doesn't realize Josh Norman sucks. So <laughs> I'm just going to just going to going to take it. To, Take it with a grain of salt. Um, I think he'll be really good. I mean, we have good defensive backs coach, and he really blossomed last year under a new defensive coaching staff. Washington brought in new defensive coaches to try to fix the Jay Gruden problem, then realized it was it the problem's the owner, and you can't change that. So I'll say it turns out it's a Dan Snyder problem, and they can't <laughs> replace him. 
So, yeah. Uh, Quinn Dunbar was not the only addition to the Seattle Seahawks uh, this weekend. They also picked up Philip, Philip Dorsett. And uh, Philip Dorsett has been a consistently, you know, fringe Average. NFL talent where he, you know, he puts up some numbers, but never that good. He'll have a big game here, big game there. He'll be a guy that you look at on the waiver wire after he goes like six receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown against the Jets. And you go, is this a guy I want on my fantasy team? Then you pick him up in the next two weeks. He has two catches. Next three weeks, he has two catches total. And you're like, ah, why did I do that? So here's the and thing. then you drop him and he scores 36 more points in fantasy. Oh, Just sorry. one in one week, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, the, and then, but the up and down nature of Philip Dorsett has to do with kind of two things. One, the skill set and two, the usage. And I think that this is a sneaky good move. Uh, for the Seahawks for a number of reasons. I think a big one, one, uh, the quarterback's coach for Indianapolis when Dorsett was there was Schottenheimer. So he knows what exactly what he's getting. The physical tools of Philip Dorsett are pretty incredible. Uh, how fast do you think his 40 time was at the combine, Eric? Just take a guess. Oh, for 440, I don't know. Four, yeah, four four is like a good guess, right? Because that's yeah. really fast, and you know I'm going to say something good because I'm baiting you into it. Four point yep. three three. Okay, I was going to say four point three eight, and I was like, nah, wow. Yeah, I'm hey, jumped jumped thirty seven so, inches. Uh, Henry Ruggs forty yard years. that everyone is raving about was four two seven, for comparison's sake. Yeah, so he's not he's he's he has elite speed, elite agility, elite quickness, and I think that the big problem he's had the last three years is that he can work in the slot. And he, and I think that guys like Keenan Allen, Antonio Brown have shown that guys around six feet with really good speed and movement skills can, can do big things out of the slot, but he didn't get that opportunity in new England because Julian Edelman's blocking the way. Right. So they just have him run long routes and then Tom Brady can't throw long that good anymore. <laughs> so, so it's not, so it doesn't work quite. It's not like we're having, you know, the Randy Moss era, Tom Brady, who could just bomb it deep over and over. Well, and you question Philip Dorsett's ability to get off press man, like against yeah. a longer press man corner, it's going to jar his release. And the Patriots offense was a timing based passing attack. So if you have a guy whose timing is going to be off on a route where Tom Brady is looking to make a throw at exactly 2.4 seconds or whatever it is, then you're looking at a guy who's going to get really limited usage patterns. And I mean, he averaged 13.7 yards for reception, which kind of shows the the long range usage pattern that he had only 29 catches for 56 yards. But because he's being targeted so far downfield, I don't I don't really penalize him as much for that. His passer rating when he was targeted was still over 100. So I think it's really good. He can come out with Tyler. They can play games where one guy that you don't know who's going to line up in the slot or outside. They can. Um, well, and remember, can, DK lined up in the slot to great effect, too. Yeah, and they can you can have all three of those guys out there and run some like goofy trip stuff, and all of those guys are huge threats to to go deep. So you don't you can't really like sleep on any one of these guys. And I think that Dorset is a sneaky pickup. It allows the Seahawks to uh, to really do a lot, and I'm I'm into it. I'm like really excited about this signing. Actually, maybe almost as excited about as I am about the Dunbar trade because it's kind of the same thing. It's a player I can see really blossoming and projecting up and we get him for basically nothing we get to try him out for a year yeah we get for 1.02 million which is an absolute nothing contract in the nfl yeah and it's a huge and for me it's a huge upgrade over david moore and uh thank you thank you turner and all of these guys that that honestly i love i love all of those guys they're they're great but they're 
fringe NFL players, and this is a guy who is not. He was picked in round one for a reason. Uh, we're we're sure to see something we didn't know Philip Dorsett could do. At least that's what I'm hoping for because you know Pete Carroll. I'm sure he scouted something, but the thing I'm really excited for is just solid hands. If you play with the Bill Belichick team of of any era, you're gonna you're gonna have to do the the standard requests of your position, or you're not gonna be on that team. And Philip Dorsett can catch the ball. And yeah, there's a guy who has three drops and over a hundred targets with yeah. uh, with New England. Yeah, I saw that, and it's uh, that's. <laughs> That's enough for me right now. As for, at our number three, that's what I need. And and you said like people like Malik Turner and David Moore. I don't In his know head, I Eric is just running a gif of that Malik Turner, the pass going off his chest in the playoffs. <laughs> I can I can hear the play off the plate in Eric's head bouncing yeah. to my house through my headphones. It's it's just interesting. There's uh, there's there's a reason why we went out and got this guy, and I it's making our draft a lot more um i don't know i feel less predictable at least less predictable from my wants how's that? or more flexible yeah more flexible yeah there's philip dorsett is going to be running running free down the field a bunch of times and do you know who's going to find him russell freaking wilson it's it's going to be i think it's going to be really good did you know that there were 35 wider this is from alistair corp uh on twitter really good twitter follow if you're not following him already there are 35 wide receivers who averaged depth of target above 12 yards in 2019. Three of them were Metcalf, Lockett, and Dorsett. Um, it's a good fit. It's just a good fit for what we try to do, which is like chuck it deep, uh, really push the ball downfield when we do decide to pass. I, I love it. Well, you're talking great. about we have three 4-4 four, four, or basically sub 4-4 four, four receivers in Lockett, DK, and Dorsett now. So if we do go into the draft and pick up another guy at the position who's a threat. That's wonderful. If we don't, like you guys said, man, pick your poison. Lockett, Out of those Lockett. players, who are you going to cover? Lockett's don't forget about guy. Greg Olson. Yeah, Lock- Lockett was a 4-4 guy, and he's probably the slowest of the three. No, he, I mean, unless the one of those guys got slower after they got drafted, yeah. It's uh, pretty pretty nuts. Uh, all right, let's talk to Davian Clowney. Still not a deal, not a deal in place. Everyone is starting, I think, to get a little bit panicky, um, but no one really knows what's happening. So, what what do you guys think, Eric? Start with you. What's going on with Jadavian Clowney? My favorite Jadavian Clowney um, headline that I saw the last couple of days was Jadavian Clowney most likely waiting for best deal. <laughs> oh, tips, <laughs> tips, man! What a, what a great Scoop McGee with that one. What yeah. a I wonder what his source is on that. Like his brain, yeah. probably. Uh, one, he's absolutely waiting for the best deal. But really? I thought he was waiting for a bad deal. Yeah, waiting, I'm glad they clarified that. Jadavian waiting County no, no longer looking for fastest deal possible at lowest money. Uh, so there, there was the rumor last week that was really unsubstantiated that uh, it was hovering around the 14 million mark. Now the the numbers seem to float up there. Uh, the Seahawks have offered 18 and a half. Clowney wants 20. Clowney's waiting around for 20 is the reality of it. And no one's offering it. Yeah, we're playing the waiting game right now. We are, and Clowney is. And I'm sure if you're getting nervous about this, we have a fallback plan. The fallback plan may be better. There are rumors. These are, of course, all rumors. Who knows? But that we are targeting Clowney and Griffin. 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, Everson Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I was, I thought I was about to sneeze in the mic there for a second. Um, but if, if we can get Clowney for the number we want, there's a chance that we could grab Everson Griffin as well. That would be, that would be gangbusters. If I could just pull out a, uh, an old saying that no one uses anymore. Thank you. Old timey, Eric. That's what I'm here for. Sitting on it would my- be the cat's pajamas. Get off my lawn for social distancing purposes. Okay, um, Matty F. Brown on Twitter, uh, another good Seahawks follow. He says uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, he was offered for $18.5 million, four years. Corbin Smith reported that. A lot of other people, Bob Condota, a bunch of guys reported that. The Seahawks met with Clowney's agent, Buzz Cook, at the Combine. Then on the 17th, the Seahawks proposed a two-year $27 million deal. And there's reports that there's two things in this deal. One, that if Clowney passes a physical, it's all guaranteed. So I think that that's like kind of the holdup is that he can't get the all guaranteed short deal unless he takes a physical at the Seahawks uh, facilities. And he doesn't really want to take the 18 and a half four year deal because he wants the short deal to try to get the, the giant money. So that's kind of where I think he still won't be 30 yet. So he'd still be able to sign another big deal after the TV contracts go through. So that's the standstill is that he wants to get in uh, past the physical and then get the, the the shorter deal. Although it's just crazy to me that people think that a TikTok video with uh, with him in a Titans uniform is is like why is a real rumor. The Chinese government has signed Jadevian Clowney to a deal for the Titans. Yeah, that's that's what happened. It's a. Uh, it's weird. It's super weird to me that people. Just you know think the, the two-year deal though at twenty-seven million. That's that's your thirteen and a half million rumor that was you know possibly true. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though: two at twenty-seven fully guaranteed. The the roster flexibility means that we probably could get him and Griffin, and that is really good for Jed Devion Clowney because if we can get two years of Griffin to go alongside him, that's going to push his numbers up and make him look really good. Absolutely, it will. Not to yeah, mention the Dunbar deal has to make us more appealing than we were already. Yeah, it's 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 a great it's a great 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 situation. Well, to be Cliff in. Averill was talking about that because the coverage was so strong. That was something that helped lure uh, Cliff Averill and Mike Bennett in. Is there going? Man, we got this uh, really strong coverage unit. So if we come in, we're going to be able to just eat. I think it's going to be, I think it's kind of exciting. I think that there's a chance that the Seahawks kind of get to have it all. So let's say we do sign, let's just say we sign Jadavian and that's it. That's kind of the end of free agency for us. We pick up like a rotational defensive tackle, uh, an Al Woods type who's available on a real budget deal. So now the Seahawks are, are heading into the draft. They've got Jadavian back. They've got Al Woods. Um, what's, what's the top thing you're targeting here even? Like, what do you even, what do you think is like, is there an, even a position that the Seahawks need to have someone anymore? Or is it right tackle? Is, you think that that's like a need though? It's yes. I, I think that the, they, they've picked up two guys. I think that could really, you know, fill the spot at an, a league average level. Not Maybe not. I think leaders, a below average level, but Brandon shell looking at him does not seem like, it seems like a Fetty without the penalties, which I think is a, fine with me considering the improvements they've already made in the interior of the line just by getting everyone healthy and picking up bj finney it's i don't know it just seems uh oh i guess we have chance warmack too but uh i'm not uh, i think he's anything. also an interior guy yeah he's a guard 
but I mean, like, like I said, they've, they've made a bunch of moves that I think depth wise, I'm not as worried about the line as I was before. If Dwayne Brown has injuries again, it'll be just like last year. There's no elite. He kind of is the glue guy. We need him to be healthy because he's so good and so much better than kind of everyone else. Um, Eric, do you see right tackle as the the biggest need? Well, I think it all depends on what we're looking at. You, you can already pretty much figure that we're, probably not going to have a first round draft pick. We're going to trade down for either late first or early second or mid second for more picks. Cause what are we at? Seven picks right now in the draft. Is that I right? Think it really depends on who's available. Having done like a million mock drafts on the, on the yeah, mock draft machine. And yeah, I, we're at seven. We have a one, two twos, a three, two fours and a six, Eric. Okay. And I'm, I'm also looking at that mock draft thing that you showed me. It's really fun, but remember what the Seahawks do. And Percy Harvin, Jimmy Graham, not available for first round picks this year. So we're probably trading down. It's a nice thought we're, that we're going to keep it. Uh, maybe this is the year that the guy we circle in the first round does not get taken from us. And we, we actually use that pick. But I think we're probably trading down. So I mean, the Seahawks have picked in the first round the last two years. But how high? Come on. This one, LJ Collier doesn't count. He, he's, he wasn't really in the draft. It was a mirage. It was a joke. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's how that works. Hey, I'm just, I'm just going off what I see on the, let me check. Let me check our lads. No, he's there. (laughs) Um, I I, I Wikipedia did. There's also a chance that we're going to go for a, a player for the future. And that could be that right tackle, but someone that we're, you know, grooming in to be that next guy. So let's face it. Dwayne Brown has this year left and maybe next the year after that it's not Dwayne Brown's getting old and when Dwayne Brown's future career is no longer a sure thing that's true yeah absolutely and it's I I feel like offensive line is the position of immediate need I also kind of think they're going to get sneaky and get a tight end I don't know how I feel about that but I mean let's face it the Seahawks do crazy things in the draft and it's it's possible I don't know if we can roster eight tight ends (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're getting close this yeah, is true. Olsen, Disley, Hollister, Swoops, Wilson, Dixon, and Johnson are all on the roster still. It's pretty well, crazy. Three of those guys will be gone. and uh, Swoops, Dixon, and Johnson will be definitely gone. Luke it doesn't Wilson matter. We don't have Fant anymore. We got to replace him somehow. Oh, we did replace Fant. That's Cedric Abuhi. I'm not joking. That's the 100% why they brought that guy yeah, in. Yeah. Yes, he took those snaps for Jacksonville. Yeah, he took the sixth offensive line snaps for Jacksonville and is actually kind of good at it, but he was really bad at playing actual tackle. Which He's makes like me think, but with better hands, they know what they got. Uh, probably worse hands. Probably worse toe oh. tapping on the sidelines too. I mean, we all saw Fant was majestic with the toe tap. So I can't, I can't imagine that Abu. He's better at that. No one could be better at that. He's probably that's probably the best toe tap I've seen, other than that Tyler Lockett catch. But it's close. It's cl- close. <laughs> I, I, would I know you know exactly which one I'm talking about too. That that yeah. Tyler Lockett catch in the corner of the end zone. That's yeah. one point one three percent or whatever. Yeah, the, actually, the Fant one was 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 just as good. I think. I think just, it was more impressive because that was a lot more toe. And like his yeah. toe was like the size of Tyler Lockett's entire foot. And think about how Tyler Lockett feels when he falls down after a toe tap, and how George Fant feels. After- Fant is <laughs> still falling. I think oh, Fant man. had to sit out after that. Not yeah, out of himself. He probably died. Boy. He's probably had to dead. go over the oxygen. Okay, uh, so the. I think that the Seahawks have really positioned themselves to to pick whoever they feel like is the absolute best player available every single time they pick that in the draft, which is, which is really good. 
I think the biggest position of need is probably a rotation defensive lineman. If even if we get Jadavian Clowney, the rotation is a little thin, especially in the center. But you could still pick that guy up in the third round. You don't have to pick him in the first round. And the the thing is, is that I look at the Seahawks roster and I like I've said before, I, other than quarterback, I don't feel a thousand percent comfortable with any position where if we pick a guy that we think is an A plus, it will probably be an upgrade. And there are guys in this draft that are available. We could if we can find them that could be A pluses and really just make this team, you know, kind of push us over the top. Cause I think right now we're like right on the edge of the top five best teams, right? When we get Clowney back, that's going to put us like we're like the fifth, the sixth best team in the league. And just one, you know, it only takes like one really, really good draft pick to kind of push us to push us over the edge. And I don't know who that is. And I'm not 100% sure even what position they play, because like I said, it could be any position. If we drafted, a, let's say, I don't know, something weird happens and there's a really good wide receiver available when we pick a uh, J- Jerry Judy or something, you know, like it, that's not going to happen. But I'm just saying if it does. But Jalen Rager sitting there at the end of round two or right. Clyde then, Edwards-Alaire or Jonathan just, Taylor slips. Just because we just because we signed Philip Dorsett doesn't mean at the end of round two. Yeah. Or we have Carson and Penny, but maybe that one of those top tier running backs, the Jonathan Taylors, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, although I think he's definitely getting picked by New England. That is like the most, or or Tampa Bay, because he's like the perfect Tom Brady slash New England running back. Uh, he's a really good pass catcher. He could make a really yeah. good uh, uh, James White. Yeah, like James White plus kind of thing, which is about as good as you can ask for. But, but then, uh, Dobbins, I mean, there's a number of guys who have really good leg turn that really make sense in our run scheme. Yeah, just there's so many. And I'm options. no longer at the point where it would make me physically angry to see us pick a running back because we've shored up enough positions where if you're going, that's like a early second round running back, and they're sitting there at pick 64. I mean, yes, do it. Yeah, there's just a there's a lot of flexibility now in the Seahawks draft draft chart, whereas before there was not. Before free agency started, I was kind of worried. I was like, there's a lot of holes on this roster. Now I don't feel like there's any gaping hole. There's no like. Just we have to draft a guy here or else as long as we get Jadavian back. That's the that's the kind of the caveat. As long as we get either Jadavion or Everson Griffin, we need to get a plus pass rusher. And those are really the only two available on the free agency market. So if we get one of them, we need another guy for the edge rusher rotation. We need another guy for the interior defensive line rotation. Um, Actually, it'd be nice to get a tackle. I think we have a nice four five man rotation on the in the edge rusher thing, Kevin. Because you got Collier, Green, Clowney, Irvin, and Griffin. I think that's like a nice like five guys you can kind of mix and match. Because Green and Collier and Clowney can all play on the running downs, and then you got Griffin, Green, and uh, or you got Irvin and Griffin to kind of mix in on obvious passing downs for those pin your ears back and get the quarterback kind of situations. This is best case scenario though. I mean, that's, these are deals that haven't happened, man. I, I figure we move into top four teams. If that happens, if we, if we sign those two guys, I mean, I only signed one guy there. Clowney. I didn't say Griffin. Get, too. Yeah. I'm oh, Shaquem Griffin. Oh, how soon I forget <laughs> Seahawks pass rusher. He, uh, he give him a hand, Eric. It's Shaquem oh. Griffin. Oh, how's he doing in this? Social distancing. He's got a, he's got a, a, a hand up in the, in the. Oh, he's he's oh, nope. Your nope. my joke was better. Uh, all right, so then <laughs> low bar. Uh, we got Kevin. Just like I'm, I'm not in this. Jaren. Then the interior rotation is just Jaren Reed and Puna Ford. That's it. 
I think unless what you are like you talking Brian. about Naz Jones, Demarcus Christmas, and Brian Monet. Okay, so it's just Jared <laughs> Reed row. The 27 Yankees in that they're all fatter than Babe Ruth. <laughs> Brian Monet could be a good guy to play only on first downs. How do you like and that? Naz Jones, who knows? The Naz- team hates him. I don't, I don't I'm I'm kind of out on Naz Jones. I think that that ship has sailed. Uh there was flashes but he can't stay on the field. And DeMarcus Christmas, I have no opinion on at all. I mean, I didn't like the college scouting tape. Seemed like just nope. a kind of a boring run stuffer kind of He certainly was on the ground a lot, not making plays. Put he kind of just puts his arms out and tries to occupy two guys, which is a thing that you kind of want guys to do sometimes, but I don't know. It's not exciting. There's a reason why he didn't really get to play. Yeah, they got the sneak. He got the the stealth, uh, the red shirt year, the, the, the yeah. IR IR by the for the whole season kind of thing. Uh, so then that's okay. Our strength and conditioning team's really been working on him. Oh yikes! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Ivan the terrible. Let's just bring him up. Okay, Eric. Yeah. As the off season continues, you're getting we're getting close to the draft. The NFL GMs they said we don't want the draft. We don't want to have it. Please delay it. It, because I think mostly because nobody's going to have pro days now. <laughs> like it's just not happening. And also they aren't going to get to do interviews and they're not going to get to do interviews. And the league was like, nah, we're, we're still going to do it. State's not changing. So if you're the Seahawks, you're coming into this draft. It's, it's, it's tough. What, what are you, what are you going to look at? What are you looking at in that first round pick? What do you want to get? What's your dream? Wait, are you talking position or oh, in yeah, position? Scenario? play? No position. Like, what do you? What's your dream? Like, what? What kind? Of, what do you need to get from that pack pick, or what do you really want to get from that pick? I'm gonna say a a stud athletic player that could be a running back, that could be a safety. Um, I think a dream position would be like the next eight to ten year tackle, right or left. But I think in all likelihood, it's gonna be a running back or a safety. All right. And then uh, I I like the idea of picking a safety. I mean, Grant Delpit is falling a little bit. Uh, Antoine Winfield is a guy who's like rising up boards because he had a great com like a much better combine than I think people expected. Uh, Xavier McKinney. Those are all guys who will probably be available right at the end of the first round. And they'll probably all go right at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. And I would be into probably Delpit the most, but all three of them are pretty exciting prospects for different, for different reasons. Uh, So that's that's the safety thing. The running backs, you know, same thing. You got JK Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor and all these guys that just seem like they'd be Jonathan Taylor interviewed with the team at the combine. So, you know, the team is interested. And he's Uh, a really good scheme fit as far as like, uh, you know, as a power back. Yeah, and I, I know that everyone's idea is that running backs don't matter. I actually want to make a twist on that. It's that you don't want to give a running back a second contract. That's the real, that's the real like pro play is running backs matter. You don't want to have a garbage, garbage running backs. Look at Tampa Bay last year. They didn't have anyone to play running back and it definitely hurt their, their offense. Please don't say, say anything about Ronald Jones right now. <laughs> then, then, uh, but I mean, look at you don't want to pay a guy like that because the second contracts for running backs are not working out super good. Who has, who has a second contract for running back and is actually playing up to that contract. It's no one ever. All those guys are getting cut or just not playing up to their deals. Even Zeke is not 
playing up to that deal. So it's just, it's tough for, I think what you want to do is you want to kind of float running, you know, run drafted running backs into drafted running backs. And if the Seahawks feel like they have the net running back for the next five years in the first round, five years is a long time in the NFL. And that's probably worth a first round pick if it's, if it's someone who's really good. So that's, that's my opinion. I think you're right on there because what we've got one more year of Chris Carson before we have to pay him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that means Rashad Penny coming back from injury, not to mention Carson still coming back from injury. Running back could be the spot. I mean, look, I haven't done a draft this probably in the last five days, and there have been some bigger moves. Like I'd say Tampa Bay is probably looking at a, a stud receiver or a stud running back for their their first draft pick. But mm-hmm. this could be our that could be what we go for is running back. It, it is you could qualify it as a position of need. I'd like to go ahead and put something in on the the thing with the running back situation is that it's such a high variance. You can get a lot of the same level of production out of a guy taken slightly later. I mean, as good as uh, DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Alaire or J.K. Dobbins is, um, how much better are they than uh, Cam Akers? Uh, hard, Hard to know for sure, but probably not hugely better. And so it becomes a situation where... And when teams find guys in the seventh round, right? Picks. Right, Carson. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's part of the whole running back value situation. The other two pieces to it are run plays provide you less value than pass plays. But if you have a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield and uh, is usable in more ways on your offense, which I would make the argument, definitely Edwards Alaire has shown that. But Swift and Dobbins have shown themselves to be pretty solid too. If you want a guy to go watch some uh, some tape of that could be a late round running back that would be very sea hockey is uh, James Robinson out of Illinois State. I don't know if you've watched him yet, Kevin. Have you? Uh, no. It's well, I mean, it's Illinois State, so I don't blame <laughs> I don't blame you for that. It's kind of a small guy, five nine, two twenty, but he. He's and he's not crazy fast either, but he just kills people. He really breaks tackles, creates a lot of extra yards that maybe were unavailable. And he's a really good pass catcher, like shockingly good. Made a lot of money in the passing game. Uh, if you want to watch him looking good, watch his game against Eastern Illinois. That's my uh, that's my late round guy I've been looking at is uh, Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State, who like ticks the physical boxes except for size in the same way that uh, Chris Carson did. He seems like a guy that you could probably get in the later part of the draft, like maybe the sixth round that has a lot of the physical upside you want. You want a cool James Robinson fact? Sure. He had 4,444 rushing yards. In, that was on purpose. In college. That's, he that. that's pretty cool. He had 40, he had 46 also, touchdowns. He had 46 touchdowns. He blew so. it. See, I don't know. This guy's long-term planning. I'm 50, I'm 50, 50 on it. Um, he could have done 4,646 yards then. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. So I don't know. I, I was in, now I'm out. So then you got like, okay, so then we go to tackle. Kevin, I know you're really into the tackles. So Makai so, Beckton, Jarek Drickwills, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, Lucas Niang. Where do you stand on all these guys? Like, do you want, would you take any of them at 27 or? So I think Wirfs, Wills, and Thomas are the three locks that should go before we pick. If any of those three are available, I think it's like an easy snap pick. Um, all Beckton's of them going, take every box you want. Beckton's, Beckton's going before probably going to go early. 
and Becton's the one that I'm least sure about. Yeah. Um, he's a lot of projection. Is, is N-A. You can't really know. Uh, also, he's so big that sometimes that makes it hard for you to be a quality tackle. Like, he moves well for his size, but the for his size caveat is, like, the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he's 6'7", 364. He's, he's just, he's a giant. He's the mountain that blocks. Yeah. Uh, the other guys that are kind of fr- fringe end of first round would probably be Josh Jones out of Houston, whose pass blocking uh, numbers are really, really good. But his Trent's explosion formula, which is something the Seahawks look at quite a bit, is not quite where they would want it to be. Um, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, who hits all the measurable marks that the Seahawks like, and Austin Jackson out of USC, who's a guy who on tape doesn't quite jump off the tape to you. He seems like a guy who uh, is good at mirroring, and he has all the uh, physical things that you want, but he's not like a great finisher. He tends to fight the the defender to a draw quite often, but he could come in and play right tackle right away and has all the physical tools that you want. Those are probably the guys that are end of first round. The thing about Jackson is, is when you watch his tape, his his footwork is off and his hands are not great. But those are things that he could improve. His problems I mean, are not a good offensive line coach. Finally, his problems are not physical, which is what makes him kind of an intriguing sleeper as an offensive tackle. Whereas normally you watch a guy like that and you're like, oh, this is this is worrying. Like, I don't know. What could he be? Is he too slow? He's not too slow. He's not too athletic. In fact, his athleticism gives him. Make lets him make some plays on the tape that maybe he shouldn't be able to play because his technique is not that great. He makes up for it with his athleticism, which I think is is kind of a good sign. Um, he'd be really good in our scheme, the power, like the kind of power rush scheme that we use, where yeah, you know, really get out there and, and just kill guys. Another and, good um, scheme fit would be Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. You just have to wonder about his uh, foot speed. He might be one of those guys who have who's kind of destined for a guard move. Just yeah. because he's huge, like Fluker's huge. Yeah, I, when I watch Isaiah Wilson, I don't, I don't think future tackle. I think future really good left guard or right guard. But the, not that that's not a useful NFL player. But I don't but know. He could if, come in and hold it down for a year if he can beat Shell out for the job. Like sure. he's a guy who at the back end of round two, I would give strong consideration. I just wouldn't yeah. want to pick him at twenty seven. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I think at that point, I'd rather just go for one of the interior offensive linemen. There's a lot of them that are going to be right around the end of the second round that I just think are, um, you know, but maybe they all get snapped up right in front of us. That that is has happened before. Um, my big position, I think the Seahawks have to draft is an interior defensive lineman. Um, the out the edge guys yeah we might end up needing one if we strike out but i just don't think there's any way we don't leave free agency with either Clowney or Clowney and griffin so i'm kind of out there but the interior defensive linemen in this draft are pretty good i actually the more of them i watch the more i like and i think there's some good there's a good mix of like sleepers and just solid players that also zero techs and three techs i think you get both of them if you yeah, I, I could tend to agree. Like, um, I like, like, you know, Brown, Kinlaw, Blacklock, Metabuike. Like, these are all players that I think could play for the Seahawks day one, get in the rotation. Um, the thing is about the interior defensive lineman class, I feel like, is, is it falls off really bad after the first, like, six or seven guys, depending on how you feel. And that's – so I would hate to see us wait too long and then end up missing out on, you know, one of the guys that I think is good just – 
and end up, I don't know, taking like one of those Seahawks stabs where they pick a guy who has a ton of athletic traits and they never finds the field. Yeah, no. I mean, I think there's some mid-round guys. It depends. Do you want to run stuffer? There's definitely mid-round run stuffers. But if you want a guy who can offer anything in the pass rush, then you probably are talking round two or three. Yeah, I mean, like, a, yes, you can go pick Ra- like Raekwon Davis and just know that, like, hey, this guy's going to be good at stopping the run. Well, right Raekwon away. Davis is going to go in the round two because his measurables are stupid. Yeah, six foot seven. That's why I, I think of him as like the sea hockey IDL guy who falls, and then like they're like, oh yeah, this guy has great athletic traits and long arms and stuff. Because you know the Seahawks, they love their long arms. I feel like the Seahawks scouts just walk around with a measuring tape, and they're just like, hey, put your arm out. And then- <laughs> uh, can I give you a guy who has equal measurements but is actually good at football? Okay. Uh, Lucky Fotu out of Utah. Okay. Uh, Thirty-four and a quarter inch arms. He has longer arms than Raquan Davis, and he's only one inch shorter. Yeah, um, I, he's one of those guys who can come in and immediately be a dominant run stuffer and then probably add on to his pass rush he, a la like Jaron Reed's projection. Is he also like um, like right Juan Davis where he has no no plan in the pass rush? Uh, no, it's the way he was used in the pass rushing scheme at Utah. It was a lot of like, hey, how many human beings can you occupy? while Bradley and a just makes their tackle look dumb. OK, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair strategy. So um yeah. Okay. Last thing we got to talk about. There's one more thing that I saved till the end. It has nothing to do with what we've just been talking about. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Born right, ready. Eric, Eric, your initial reaction to the new Rams logo. I've said it once. I'll say it again. <laughs> it is probably my favorite paper towel logo. <laughs> so, so if this was a paper towel, man, I think it's awesome. I think I, I'm buying that paper towel. Football, get out. Okay. I'm just really glad that they moved Stark Tower to Los Angeles and then attach Goku's hair to it. Yeah, that's my that was my uh, that was my first reaction was like some guy, some uh, the executive was in a pitch meeting. He's like, OK, what I want, I'm, I'm thinking like the Avengers, you know, like superheroes. And then can you make it look like the A is growing a blonde mullet? It's it's like the worst. The one with the ram on it is better. But, I think I mean, Randy I, Johnson was on the approval team for it. As everyone He's has like this good hair. As everyone has noted, the face part of the Ram looks like a dick, so that's not uh, great. You know, yeah, it's, Diamondbacks we, already have that. You can't steal that. <laughs> <laughs> and they have Randy Johnson. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Coincidence. Uh, all right, we're gonna stop talking about Randy Johnsons now. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that's what the Ram has. All right, for uh, there. <laughs> I can't think. You screwed me up. I was about to hit money zone, and then I just now I'm not. I can't stop laughing. Oh, you're about to do the money shot now that we talked about the Ram. Yeah. All right. There are many ways to help the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way is to head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, and for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, you could be like our new March Patreon: Shord, Jack, MC Naptime, Brandon. They they are uh, helping us out, helping us keep going in these uh, these what do I call this trying times. Yeah, and live on the Discord, all the activity. Yeah, there's a lot of we're there. a lot of chatting on the Discord. Get in the Discord. Make sure that if you are a Patreon, you're in the Discord. There's 42 Patreons, but only 29 people on Discord. So we need to close that gap. Make it, you know, 49 and 49. So Bro, I don't you think your mom's gonna get on Discord. Yeah, okay, 48 out of 49. <laughs> Timothy, Jack, James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Brandon, Nick, Frank, Bob. Richard, Kieran, Mike, Brett, Philoctimus, Keith, Michelle, and Brian. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Seahawks Nest podcast. If you don't can't support via um, 
via the old monetary donation monetary donation head over to itunes you know get give us a review on uh the seahawks nest podcast twitter uh or sorry twitter itunes page uh that's a good way to uh to help us out it helps people find the podcast because their search Nathan's algorithm breaking their search algorithm cares about that also we're going to try to do you know an extra episode or two a week until social distancing is over just to try to help you guys out because we know that these are times you need to take your mind off of things that are crazy and, it's uh, our audio closening campaign hopefully we will uh, be able to help you do that so all right movie club today we're gonna all give a rec we're gonna keep doing what we're doing a binge recommendation and then i'm gonna give a little tease uh to people that are to might make them join the patreon so uh mine you ready guys ready for this i've been watching a netflix show okay right. and it's it's about people who uh like uh have like big cats like tigers and cheetahs and stuff it's called tiger king murder mayhem and madness <laughs> i just and, added that yesterday okay and i just okay. cannot express to you like i had to stop that watching like it. a fever dream i had to stop watching it because i was like this is too crazy i just can't now when you watch a documentary series like this um i'll say this in terms of like the through line the plot it's kind of weak but so much crazy stuff is consistently happening that it does not matter. You, you were not... watching Tiger King for its plot. Uh, you, well, I mean, like think about like um like a really well done documentary. Like um, yeah. it, it'll have a through line, right? The through line here is kind of too. It's too crazy. Too much crazy stuff's happening for there to be a through line. I can't. I'm not gonna tell you one single thing about this except for one, and then maybe this will get you to watch it. Um, the star guy has legally changed his name to joe exotic and he's a i, I don't even want to say anything else i think that's i think that's all you need to know his name is joe exotic Ron mexico uh okay all right. all right eric uh yeah i'll give you two um i'll give you the the oldie that is a standby that if you haven't watched it in a long time you should go back and rewatch the sopranos does Ooh, it still nice. hold up yes i think it does um plus it'll take you a long time you'll remember things about that show uh, that you forgot that will make you laugh. Uh, but speaking of laugh, I will recommend something that I, I'm sure a lot of people haven't watched and they're going to think it's stupid. And that's probably why I like it. Toast of London on Netflix. Um, it is a ridiculous British TV show. Um, it might be too stupid for someone like Nathan. I think it's really hilarious. Um, right. Just give it a shot. Sounds good. Uh, Kevin. All right, we're a little Netflix heavy. We didn't coordinate like we've been, but that's fine. I'm going to give uh, two movies uh, as recommendations, both of which are currently on Netflix, uh, continuing to push our audience to break through that little one-inch barrier at the bottom of your screen for two uh, South American movies, Central and South American movies, subtitled movies that I think are both excellent on Netflix right now. If you have not seen pa uh, Pan's Labyrinth, or City of God. Those are two of the probably top five movies that came out in the 2000s. Um, and so treat yourself. They're a little longer. Um, they're definitely a little heavier content. But they're both excellent, excellent films. All I right. agree. And then um, my tease. I said that I was going to be a tease after this. Um, on the Discord, me and Kevin have been showing movies to the Patreons. There's like a little streaming thing so if you want to be a part of that you want to watch a movie with us 
uh, live and in person. We'll be doing that uh, all week, trying to make, like, like I said, maintain sanity, maintain our connections to each other during this uh, crazy, crazy time. So yeah, it'll be at uh, least once a week through the uh, through the dark times. Yeah, and I I uh I don't want to say what movie I'm showing because I think that it might be against the law to show this movie with other people because it's like just came out on video on demand yesterday. So I'm excited to watch that actually. Yeah, I I'm a I Eric is. Eric's excited to watch it. See, there you go. So that's your tease. All right. For Eric Ronnebeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.